Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Good to have you with us here today for the Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It's Wednesday, March 23rd, 2022. And on Wednesdays, uh, we've been kind of dovetailing with what we do in the evening, where we are learning to lament. Uh, in the morning, we're hearing about um, the prayers, the intercessory prayers of the saints, right? And today it would be that of Daniel, actually Darius. <laughs> Is that right? Yes, um, Darius on behalf of Daniel, which is very interesting, right? We have Darius and Cyrus. We've got Nebuchadnezzar even praying um, to the true God. So, um, intercession and lament often go together, right? Uh, I think the, the the difference between lamenting, being sorrowful over what um, is occurring or happening or has happened to you or happening to the church or to this world, um, it's one thing to complain, right? But I think the difference between complaining and lamenting is our complaints are directed to God in prayer, and that's what makes it a lament, right? We hand it over to God, um, we hand our complaints to Him, and that's what lamenting is. So today we're going to hear you know, Daniel, uh, or excuse me, Darius, lamenting um, kind of the trap that he put himself in by agreeing to the direction of his uh, governors and whatnot, and how it has put Daniel's life, well, <laughs> arguably Daniel has forfeited his life as a result. Um, of course, Daniel's life is only in, in danger, right? Uh, and so then we hear his prayer, uh, you know, as intercession. Rather than simply complain, he complains to the one who can actually do something about it. I think that's the key. Now we talk about kids complaining, right? Don't complain, just do something, right? Um, I see a lot of what, we, uh, what we're experiencing in this world is complaining. Um, some of that might just be diagnosing. I try to make a distinction myself, is just to reveal um, the truth. But if that truth just leads you to weep and sorrow and not actually cry out to God in prayer, um, then it's just complaint without lament. All right, so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to learn to lament uh, properly from Darius, the king. Now, we studied this a few weeks ago, so uh, it'll be familiar to you. We begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. <clears throat> All right, we say our memory verse. Not a long one. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. John 17, verse 17. And now our psalm. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. 
Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. O guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right. Our first, or really our only reading for today is Daniel chapter 6. Again, we heard this a few weeks ago, but we want to focus on Darius's prayer. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them, so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any good, or excuse me, any god or man for 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home, and in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God, and they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within thirty days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king uh, that Daniel who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. 
and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords, that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? And Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, so that they have not hurt me, because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him, and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no injury whatever was found on him, because he believed in his God. All right, so you notice here in particular, we want to concentrate on um, the way that the king behaves, right? Um, He doesn't simply complain, right? First, he has a confession of faith, right? The king spoke, saying to Daniel, verse 16 here, your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Wow. Bold confession, yeah? And then, um, like I said, he doesn't just simply weep in, in sorrow, but he, his weeping, his sorrow, is directed where it belongs, right? Um, it comes back, and he cries out with a lamenting voice to Daniel, right? Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Right, so we have we have this life of prayer. Think of um, in um, Lent, uh, we often hear of confession, right? Uh, actually, no, it's in, it's in regards to the Lord's Supper, fasting and bodily preparation or fine outward training, and we have that here too. Um, I talked to the children this morning about keeping vigil, keeping watch, and we're going to talk more about that tomorrow in the in the Garden of Gethsemane. But think about how um, how little the church actually takes seriously. Um, the night watch, right? Um, but notice his sleep went from him. So one of the times that uh, that I find myself lamenting, and I think historically um, Christians often find themselves lamenting, is when um, the sun goes down and the day's work is ended and the children are in bed and you have an opportunity finally to stop and to consider um, the day and what's been set before you um, and what you've encountered, what you've experienced. Right? And it, it often brings sorrow and it brings uh, shame sometimes upon oneself, but also guilt and the shame and guilt um, that we experience collectively as a people, right? But rather than complain, those are those are the times to, to light a candle, um, to say a psalm, to pray um, by your bed or, you know, by yourself, right? For the sake of faith, for the sake of faith. And you notice here that what happens to uh, the king's faith, right? He, he believes that Daniel's God will deliver him, which is incredible. Um, but then afterward, the king, of course, exalts Daniel and dethrones, <laughs> decapitates, or actually doesn't decapitate, throws um, all those who had conspired against Daniel into the lion's den, and they are devoured. Um, one of the other things that's interesting here, and uh, 
keep this keep this text in mind tomorrow when we hear of our Lord's passion and his trials um, in the Garden of Gethsemane. It seems that um, uh, Gethsemane leads to um, his trial and then his trial to his execution and then his burial. It follows the pattern of Daniel's life, right? Daniel is praying. Daniel is put on trial. Um, Daniel is summarily executed and committed um, to the tomb, which is, and then he comes forth from the tomb alive, resurrected, right? In a sense. Um, so you see Daniel, Daniel 6 here, follows the pattern of Christ's life. Um, that's not original to me. Um, Ephraim of Syria, who I believe is fourth century um, church father, uh, made the same, made the same uh, reflection, right? Um, he sees actually Daniel as paralleling um, John chapter 11, which we read last week of Lazarus, right? Which of course we talked about Lazarus paralleling Christ. So we see Daniel, Lazarus, Christ, all um, following the same pattern or type. So here's what he writes. A type of you, therefore, was Daniel and also Lazarus, a type of Jesus, both Daniel and Lazarus, one in the den, which the Gentiles sealed up, and one in the sepulcher that the people opened. Lo, their signs and their seals reproved them. Their mouth would have been open if they had left your sepulcher open, but they went away because they had shut your sepulcher and sealed it and closed up their mouths. Yes, they closed it, and when they had senselessly covered your sepulcher, all the slanderers covered their own heads. But in your resurrection you persuaded them concerning your birth, since the womb was sealed and the sepulcher closed up, being alike pure in the womb and living in the sepulcher. The womb and the sepulcher being sealed were witnesses unto you. Right? So Christmas and Easter joined together as well. Right? And could the womb hold him? No. Could the could the any more than the grave could hold him, right? Um, we do have the sealing of this of the stone here, right, with the signet ring, just like with Jesus' tomb, right. So again, as we learn to lament, um, we pray in confidence, the confidence of faith, but we also pray for the sake of faith, which is why we direct our laments, our complaints, like King Darius does, toward the God who saves, toward the God who delivers, toward the God who has mercy. Um, Chris made the comment before we started here. From the opening picture, I'll bring it back up, right? We have Daniel there, um, and those lions are fierce and ferocious. You have all the bones of people who have been previously devoured, right? And you see Daniel lamenting towards heaven, right? Um, his prayer. Um, I like how he's cross-legged. I, that's kind of interesting, right? But what does she say? I can feel the praises and mercies from God, yeah, as these fierce lions are ignoring him. Um, interesting, I had a hard time finding, except for in modern art, actually, um, a classic picture of Daniel with the angel who delivered him. Yeah, a lot of emotion in the picture, she says, and I agree with her. Um, but also, the um, uh, you heard one of the recordings from Concordia Publishing House that I um, did this year. That was hopefully the final of that. It's called I Am Content. I Am Content, right? My Jesus Lives, which is um, also our prayer, right? Um, to be content with whatever the Lord gives us, even if it means sorrow and suffering and difficulty, Right, because we know, like Darius says, that the Lord, He will deliver us. Right, your God, who we serve continually, will deliver you, if not now in the resurrection. Right. So again, that's the reason why our laments are directed towards God in prayer, so that um, they can be for the sake of faith. Um, I did want to introduce you to one other thing today. While we're 
looking at Daniel, we didn't talk about this before, but um, uh, one of Luther's most significant works, um, you know, of his early of his early work is the freedom of a Christian, which we uh, celebrated its 500th anniversary on uh, 2020. Although that year kind of got cut short. Um, and the freedom of the Christian is was an open letter to Leo the Pope, right? Um, and it was written. Uh, let's see, different from the two pamphlets. Yes, it's seeking to um, not be as polemical, but actually try to win over Pope Leo. So listen to what um, Luther says to Leo again, lamenting just complaining about the status of the church and the apostasy that Luther had acknowledged, doesn't do any good. So Luther appeals um, to those in authority, in this case, to Pope Leo, right? It doesn't accomplish exactly what he had hoped for, I think, Luther, Um, but that's not the point. The point is do something, right? Do what the Lord has given you to do, especially. So he says, to Leo the 10th, Pope at Rome, Martin Luther wishes salvation in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Living among the monsters of this age, with whom I am now for the third year waging war, I am compelled occasionally to look up to you, Leo, most blessed father, and to think of you. Indeed, since you are occasionally regarded as the sole cause of my warfare, I cannot help thinking of you. To be sure, the undeserved raging of your godless flatterers against me has compelled me to appeal from your see or seat to a future council despite the decrees of your predecessors, Pius and Julius, who, with a foolish tyranny, forbade such an appeal. Nevertheless, I have never alienated myself from your blessedness to such an extent that I should not with all my heart wish you and your seat or see every blessing, for which I have besought God with earnest prayers to beset to the best of my ability. It is true that I have been so bold as to despise and look down upon those who have tried to frighten me with the majesty of your name and authority. There is one thing, however, which I cannot ignore, and which is the cause of my writing once more to your blessedness. That's a title for the Pope. It has come to my attention that I am accused of great indiscretion, said to be to be my great fault, in which it is said I have not spared even your person. Right. So this is a lot like uh, we see this from Daniel. We see this with the three men that they don't um, that they refer to Darius or before him Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, you know, O King, live forever. They they use the titles, the honorifics. They um, treat them as men with authority. Um, they even treat them as men who have authority from God, which is what Luther is doing here. Um, he continues, I freely vow that I have, to my knowledge, spoken only good and honorable words considering you whenever I have thought of you. If I have ever done otherwise, I myself could by no means condone it, but should agree entirely with the judgment which others have formed of me, and I should do nothing more gladly than recant such indiscretion and impiety. I have called you a Daniel in Babylon, and everyone who reads what I have written knows how zealously I defended your innocence against your defamer, Sylvester. Indeed, your reputation and the fame of your blameless life, celebrated as they are throughout the world by the writings of many great men, are too well known and too honorable to be assailed by anyone, no matter how great he is. I am not so foolish as to attack one whom all people praise. As a matter of fact, I have always tried and will always continue not to attack even those whom the public dishonors, for I take no pleasure in the faults of any man, since I am conscious of the beam in my own eye. Matthew, uh, was that chapter 6, right? Or 5? I could not indeed be the first one to cast the stone at the adulteress. John 8. 
I have, to be sure, sharply attacked ungodly doctrines in general, and I have snapped at my opponents, not because of their bad morals, but because of their ungodliness. Rather than repent this in the least, I have determined to persist in that fervent zeal and to despise the judgment of men, following examples of Christ, who in his zeal called his opponents a brood of vipers, blind fools, hypocrites, children of the devil. Paul branded Magus, that is, Eliamus, the magician, as the son of the devil, full of all deceit and villainy. And he called others dogs, deceivers, and adulterers. If you will allow people with sensitive feelings to judge, they would consider no person more stinging and unrestrained in his denunciations than Paul. Who is more stinging than the prophets? Nowadays, it is true, we are made so sensitive by the raving crowd of flatterers that we cry out that we are stung as soon as we meet with disapproval. When we cannot ward off the truth with any other pretext, we flee from it by ascribing it to a fierce temper, impatience, and immodesty. What is the good of salt if it does not bite? Or what is the use of the edge of the sword if it does not cut? Cursed is he who does the work of the Lord deceitfully. Jeremiah 48. Therefore, most excellent Leo, I beg you to give me a hearing after I have vindicated myself by this letter. And believe me when I say that I have never thought ill of you personally, that I am the kind of person who would wish you all good things eternally, and that I have no quarrel with any man concerning his morals, but only concerning the word of truth. In all other matters I will yield to any man whatsoever, but I have neither the power nor the will to deny the word of God. If any man has a different opinion concerning me, he does not think straight or understand what I have actually said. I have truly despised your see, the Roman Curia, which, however, neither you nor anyone else can deny is more corrupt than any Babylon or Sodom ever was, and which, as far as I can see, is characterized by a completely depraved, hopeless, and notorious godlessness. I have been thoroughly incensed over the fact that good Christians are mocked in your name, and under the cloak of the Roman Church I have resisted, and will continue to resist your see, the seat, as long as the spirit of faith lives in me. Not that I strive for for the impossible or hope that by my efforts alone anything will be accomplished in that most disordered Babylon, where the fury of so many flatterers is turned against me, but I acknowledge my indebtedness to my Christian brethren, whom I am duty-bound to warn so um, that fewer of them may be destroyed by the plagues of Rome, at least so that their destruction may be less cruel. All right, so you see how Luther um, draws analogy to Daniel in Babylon, right? Um, and the Daniel is actually, in this case, um, Pope Leo the Tenth. at least that's how Luther acknowledges him here. I don't know if he continues to hold that opinion, right? And he's not trying to flatter him. He's just saying, look, you have, you've been described by many, as far as we know, to be faithful and true um, and, to, and to care about the truth, right? And you're in the midst of Babylon. You're in the den of lions, the, Holy, the Roman Sea, you know, um, we call it today the Vatican, right? Um, so speak the truth, right? Um, call a council, bring reconciliation. That's what he's doing here. As well you know, there have been flowing from Rome these many years, like a flood covering the world, nothing but a devastation of men's bodies and souls and possessions, the worst examples of the worst of all things. All this is clearer than day to all, and the Roman Church, once the holiest of all, has become the most licentious den of thieves, the most shameless of all brothels, the kingdom of sin, death, and hell. It is so bad that even Antichrist himself, if he should come, could think of nothing to add to its wickedness. Meanwhile, you, Leo, Sit as a lamb in the midst of wolves, and like Daniel in the midst of lions. With Ezekiel, you live among scorpions. Ezekiel 2. 
How can you alone oppose these monsters? Even if you would call to your aid three or four well-learned and thoroughly reliable cardinals, what are these among so many? You would all be poisoned before you could begin to issue a decree for the purpose of remedying the situation. The Roman Curia is already lost, for God's wrath has relentlessly fallen upon it. It detests church councils, it fears a reformation, it cannot allay its own corruption, and what was said of its mother Babylon also applies to it. We would have cured Babylon, but she was not healed. Let us forsake her. All right, so there he appeals to Daniel again. Um, one of the other things that I wanted to acknowledge here um, is the way that uh, when it comes to public discourse, whether it regards to faith, regards to um, uh, politics, regards to uh, what other kinds of discourse do we do? Uh, commentary on, on, on matters of morality. Uh, unfortunately, what a lot of people do um, is they sacrifice a truth, um, and rather than use truth to speak the truth in love, they appeal to emotion. Well, how does this make you feel, right? Um, they appeal to authority. Well, those are the people in charge, so we have to do whatever they say. Um, they appeal to tradition. Well, this is how it's always been, right? Um, these are, or, or this is what we've been doing. Uh, these are lazy arguments, um, and they're not all that compelling. Uh, and yet, we live in a society where all it takes is a catchy, <clears throat> catchy phrase on a on an image called a meme, right? And people can be convinced, um, or just putting a an icon over their profile image on a social media platform um, somehow indicates a moral truth rather than actually um, be, well, realistic with data, with observation, uh, with knowledge, with wisdom that's been handed over, not simply with um, lazy arguments appealing to tradition, appealing to, um, um, to emotions, appealing to authority. Those sorts of appeals, um, they can be brought to bear on the truth and, and, and come in assistance to the truth, but they themselves are not compelling arguments. Um, I mentioned today on Facebook, um, calling people names is another one. It's called an ad hominem, right? To call people names, um, it doesn't really, it, it's not all that compelling. Uh, now, Luther does it here <laughs> in what I just read for you, right? But he's calling them um, names in order to make a comparison. And that actually is valid, all right? It's not just simply saying, well, such and such person uh, is Hitler, right? Reincarnate or something like that. Well, that may or may not be true, but um, it is a valid argument to say, well, how is what they're doing um, similar, right? So uh, restricting freedom of the press and uh, silencing your opposition and centralizing um, manufacturing uh, within the government. I, okay, well, if you're doing those things, it does make you a lot like Hitler. And to call somebody that name then is perfectly fine. Um, in a sense that if it's used to assist and saying, well, how are they similar? Right by their actions, by their words, by their, by their, um, by their agendas. Okay, so um, Luther is doing that here. He's using some of these other techniques, these rhetorical techniques. Um, but his argument, his argument is that the word of God is being denied um, by the Roman Curia, right? And he's appealing um, to Leo to do what is right, which is to stand for the word of God and to let all else be damned, right? Emotions, powers, authorities, um, you know, traditions, these sort of things. I wanted to bring that to your attention too. All right, uh, not only the lions, uh, but Daniel is 
it's like the lions don't exist. Yeah, it's exactly the lions. Um, they it says God shut their mouths, right? So um, they're not they don't even desire Him, which is beautiful. All right. Um, as far as authority goes, uh, there are uh, there are authorities that are to be honored, um, and the only oh I was going to say appealing to identity is the other thing, saying well I'm the Pope, right? Not not simply that just that I have the authority, but oh that I live a virtuous and moral life, and so you should listen to me for that reason. Um, that's still a lazy appeal. Um, now it's different for um, Christians. We can appeal before God on the basis of His authority, on the basis of who He has made us our identity before him as baptized children of God. We can appeal to him on the basis of his word. Um, we can cry out and lament on the basis of his promised steadfast love and mercy, you see? All right, so those are appeals that we can make because those are appeals, those appeals are based on the, they are the truth revealed in God's word. <clears throat> All right, so again, uh, authority here to hearers of God's word. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 12 through 13. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Hebrews 13, verse 17. All right. Uh, and obey them insofar, of course, must obey God rather than men, um, that they do the work that God has given them to do. Right? When they act outside their authority, you are not obligated to obey them. All right. Let's pray the collect for this week. O God, whose glory it is always to have mercy, be gracious to all who have gone astray from your ways, and bring them again with penitent hearts and steadfast faith to embrace and hold fast the unchangeable truth of your word. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray this day for marriage and families, that husbands and wives, Parents and children would live in ordered harmony according to the word of God. We pray for parents who must rear their children alone. We pray for our communities and neighborhoods. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Pray in Thanksgiving today with Justin, who celebrates his birthday. Pray for the households of our congregation, especially that of Michael and Jennifer, Chad and Mindy, Brian, John and Linda, Sylvia, Dick and Milda. Pray for those ill receiving treatment or recovering, especially Marcella, Bev, Kelsey, Amanda, Dan, Brad, Timothy, and Janice, Norm, Merlin, Jim, and Mike, our homebound Bev, Willis, Ed, Mickey, and Paul. Pray for the missions and mercy work of the church, especially uh, our mission of the month, Camp Luisimo. Pray for our enemies and persecutors. For the Lord, we change their hearts and bring peace. And we pray for those grieving, especially the family and friends of Ken Nimmer. For all this, let us pray to the Lord, Lord of mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, let's sing our hymn. There's extra space in here. There we go. Jesus, lead thou on. No, nope, that's not it. <laughs> I got all sorts of extra things in here. There it is. Good to have you with us here today for the Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. Uh, you can join us again tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. as we'll return to St. Luke's Gospel and the Passion according to St. Luke. Uh, you're welcome, Don. See you saying thanks there in the chat. And uh, also all the rest of you who have joined us today, uh, Chris, Nancy, Karen, uh, Grace, Gus and Eileen, Tim, and Karen on YouTube too. Uh, good to have you here with us today. You can join us tonight at 6 p.m. Uh, we'll have a meal, 6 to 6.45. Uh, thanks to those who are volunteering that effort. And also then to, uh, we'll have uh, Office of Vespers at 7 p.m. Again, we'll be learning to lament, this time from Psalm 70. I was going to say 74, but it's actually 77. 74 was last week. There we go. Yeah, Psalm 77. All right. And... Uh, 
that should be helpful for you. Of course, um, if you are so inclined, I encourage you to take advantage of private absolution, be offered after service. Um, there's a simple right to use, or you can uh, do it your own way if you'd like. Uh, but in any case, come hear the word of forgiveness apply to you personally. And uh, yeah, again, join us tomorrow. So Lord be with you all. Keep you safe. We'll see you then.